Today it's my privilege, as always, to open the Bible and to read from it, and uh, what a delight to be able to share the resurrection story as found in Matthew chapter 28. If you've been following with us this Lent, this spring, um, you'll know that we've been letting Jesus speak to us and reassure us with these words, do not be afraid. And here in Matthew 28, uh, at the, the scene in the cemetery where Mary and Mary go to, to visit Jesus, they are told this twice, once by the angel and once by Christ himself, do not be afraid. So as God speaks to us this morning, I pray that you lift up your hearts to receive this, his good word. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, as I was preparing the sermon, I was reminded of a scene in the classic Disney movie, Toy Story. It came out quite, quite a while ago now, but I'm sure that many of you have seen it since it's a, it's a pretty well-known film. The two main characters in Toy Story are Woody, the toy sheriff, and Buzz Lightyear, the toy astronaut. These two toys belong to Andy, who is their, their owner, their toy owner. Through a series of unfortunate events and foolish decisions, at one point in the movie, Woody and Buzz find themselves lost in the, the big city. They were fighting and they fell out of Andy's car and afraid and angry, Woody turns and he blames Buzz and the two begin to argue and to fight. While they are arguing, a big semi-truck rolls into the parking lot and nearly flattens Woody. After they collect themselves, Buzz looks at Woody and says, Sheriff, this is no time to panic. To which Woody responds by saying, What are you talking about? This is the perfect time to panic. It's a classic line, one that makes us laugh and chuckle. We all know that panicking about a stressful situation doesn't do us any good. 
But it's not often really that helpful when someone, someone tries to tell us to stop. It's just really hard to shut down our fear response system when there's good reason to be very afraid. I don't know what, the Mary, what Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were feeling as they made their way to Jesus' grave in the early morning, but I imagine that their emotional state was a panicky mixture of sadness and fear. Jesus was their friend. They had cared for his, knees, his needs while in, he was in the Galilee. They walked with him into Jerusalem as his disciples, and they had watched on as their friend and master was arrested hung up to die on a cross. So in their grief, they go to the grave to mourn. But I imagine that they were also filled with fear as they journeyed to the graveyard that first Easter Sunday. They saw what the religious leaders did to Jesus, and everyone knew that they were part of the Jesus movement too. What would the religious leaders do to them? I'm guessing that this is why the male disciples are nowhere to be seen. The next time we'll see them, they'll all be gathered together in a locked room. They're afraid. But despite the danger and emotional turmoil, Mary and Mary are willing to venture out. But as they near Jesus' grave, they're met with a few more reasons to be very afraid. Suddenly, the ground beneath their feet begins to shake. And then all of a sudden, an angel dressed in dazzling light appears on the rolled away stone in front of Jesus' tomb. We know that this was quite the experience, for when the guards felt the tremors and saw the angel, they shook in their boots and they fell to the ground like dead men. We're not told how the Marys handled this surprise, but when your nerves are are already a little frayed, it's pretty hard to hold it all together. Do not be afraid, the angel said to the women. We half expect the Marys to respond to the angel like Sheriff Woody did to Buzz Lightyear. Do not be afraid? What are you talking about? Our master has just been crucified. He's no longer in the grave. You're sitting on his gravestone, and the ground beneath our feet is shaking. This is the perfect time to be afraid. But they don't do that. Instead, emboldened by the angel's word, they rise to receive the angel's message. I know why you're here, the angel says to them. You're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. See you at the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell the disciples. Do not be afraid. He is not here. He is risen. I think we need to pause for a moment and let the gravity of, uh, of these history-defining words sink in. It wouldn't be an overstatement to say that this is probably the single most important announcement ever made. He is not here. He has risen. Many important leaders have come and have gone over the course of history. Their legacy lives on in their teaching and in the institutions they founded. But only Christians make the audacious claim that our Lord and leader continues to live, not just in his teaching, not just in his institutions, but in reality, in a body. He lives. For the Christian community, everything rests on the credibility of this three-word announcement. 
Our salvation rests on it. Our credibility rests on it. Our hope, our hope for new creation, our hope for a world not characterized by death or mourning or dying or decay or fear. It all rests on this announcement. Christians believe that the resurrection of Jesus is the definitive turning point in history. It's D-Day for the powers of evil. Death has been reversed, we believe. That which gobbles up human life and memory has been defeated. And it was defeated when Jesus walked out of the grave. When the Bible talks about the resurrection of Jesus, it uses an image. It talks about Jesus being the first fruits of the new creation. Easter is the beginning. Easter is the first fruits of the harvest. The resurrection of Jesus is the opening of the bud that gives way to the leaf. He is the snowdrop flower that declares that the long, cold winter is over and that spring has finally come. No wonder the earth shook on Easter morning. Like a woman in later labor, it was experiencing the birth pangs of the new creation. He has risen. If he has risen, then we will rise too. Then we will join him in this new world that God is making. The resurrection, it points to and confirms all the hope that we hold dear as Christians. Frustratingly, of course, there were no cameras present to verify the angel's announcement. Not even the women or anyone really saw Jesus walk out of the tomb. And yet, while this great claim must be taken on faith, notice that the angel invites the women to use their senses too, to gather evidence. Come and see the place where he lay, the angel says. Come and see. Look for yourself. Go in, take a look, see where he lay. See that he is not here. Easter hope must be taken on faith, but it's, it never should be said that it's blind belief. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he will appeal to all the senses. He'll hold out his wounded hands and allow doubting Thomas to touch them. He'll speak peace to his confused disciples and, and they will hear his voice. He'll eat a meal of bread and fish with them. He'll taste the food and digest it in his body. Sight, touch, smell, hearing, taste. The message of the resurrection is confirmed through the senses. In the mid-80s, a journalist named Lee Strobel began to research and study the life of Christ. His wife had just converted to Christianity, and he, a, a skeptical atheist, thought it was high time for him to take a closer look. He fully expected to be confirmed in his skepticism at the end of his journey. But when he walked into the tomb and surveyed all the evidence, he found that it tilted in Christ's favor, not away from him. And at the end of his journey of, of studying and exploring, he was baptized and professed his faith in the risen Christ. I tell that story because perhaps if you're watching today and you're a little skeptical yourself of the claim of Easter, know that the angel doesn't ask you to close your eyes and simply believe. He invites you to come, come in and see, see for yourself. Explore the Christian story. Explore all that has been written about the resurrection. See for yourself faith seeking understanding. If this announcement is true, it changes everything. Don't just shrug your shoulders and walk away. See for yourself. 
Now back to the drama surrounding this announcement. Back to the women and their fear. After they hear the news and survey the gravesite, they quickly go and do as the angel commanded. Matthew says at this point that, uh, that they were afraid, yet filled with joy. I spent some time this week wondering if it's possible to feel both fear and joy at the same time. Fear is that constricted feeling we get when confronted with danger, real or perceived. Joy is this all-encompassing sense of well-being. It opens us up. It's built on hope. Is it possible to be both constricted, anxious about tomorrow, and open and filled with joy at the thought of tomorrow? At first, I thought no. But then I was reminded of uh, the day I was married. On that day, fear and joy intermingled. And then I remembered the day that my first child was born, fear and joy coming together. Fear and joy tend to combine when the news is life-changing and the stakes are high. Easter news is news like that. Filled with both fear and joy, the Marys, they hurry away from the tomb, and, and that's where they meet the biggest surprise of all. Greetings, Jesus says to them. The Greek word that Jesus uses here was a common first century greeting. It simply means hi or hello or good to see ya. I love that Jesus' first words are so simple and common and relational. I mean, how does one break the silence of death? What does one declare after breaking the curse that has plagued the human race since the days of Adam and Eve? When Neil Armstrong took his first steps on the moon, he was ready. One small step for man, he said. One giant leap for mankind. But when Jesus walks out of the grave and sees the Marys, he says, Hi. Hello. Good to see you. I think it's important to... The, to see the relational, the relational heart that Jesus has. He doesn't say, stand back, see all that I have done. Look, behold, the, the work of God is complete. No, he says, hi, hello. Jesus' first word to fearful people is to greet them where they are, to reestablish the relationship through a simple greeting. And then together, these three take a moment to simply delight and enjoy each other. Jesus delights in the, in the embrace of the people he has come to save, and the Marys delight in the worship, delight in and worship their risen Lord and friend. Jesus' first word to his people always and forever is warm and relational, Hello, he says to you. Peace be with you, he says to you. And the, and the church's first response to Christ's warm welcome, always and forever, is simply worship and adoration. We are loved and he is worthy. After tending to the relationship, Jesus issues his first command as risen Lord. And it is a command that we've grown familiar with this Lent. Do not be afraid. 
he says, do not be afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling afraid, I don't always find it helpful when people tell me to not be afraid. Even after they've given me a warm welcome and a good hug, usually I'm already trying very hard to not be afraid and it's not working. And yet it does make a difference, you know, when the phrase, do not be afraid, is spoken by someone I trust, someone more powerful than me that has authority over me and my situation. When Buzz says to Woody, this is not the time to panic, Woody freaks out. You are just a toy, he says. What are you going to do about our situation? You can't rescue us from being in the middle of this big city. You're just a toy. But how would Woody have responded if these words were spoken by Andy, his owner? What if Andy said, Woody, do not be afraid? The command to not be afraid has a different impact when spoken by someone more powerful than we are. When a peer tells you, when a peer tells you to not be afraid of the results of your CT scan, that's not very helpful. But when your doctor says, do not be afraid about the results of your, your CT scan, his word makes an impact. Or say you're lost in the woods and your husband says, do not be afraid. Well, that's not helpful because it was his navigation skills that got you lost in the first place. But those words, do not be afraid, make a different impact when spoken by someone with a compass and a map, someone who owns the forest. Do not be afraid, the resurrected Jesus says. It's a command, but because it comes from someone with authority, someone who is good, someone who has just conquered death itself, it can be received not as a burden, but as a balm. Think about it. Think about the one who is speaking these words. On Good Friday, he, was, he carried the cross of human sin and misery. He knows our pain. He's experienced fears and the temptations of human life. And now here he stands in front of us, alive, triumphant. God raised him from the dead. In fact, what's more, God is putting all things under his feet, not just the Marys, but all things, all rulers, all thrones, all powers, all authority in heaven and on earth, says Jesus, has been given to me. The universe belongs to Jesus Christ and everything in it. He died to crush death's grip. He rose to inaugurate the new creation. And one day, we read in the Bible, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When this man says, do not be afraid, it is not a platitude. It is the reassuring words of the risen Christ, the one whom the whole world revolves around, the one who holds all creation in his hands. Freedom from fear is possible for the Marys, not because they possess remarkable courage and strength in and of themselves. Freedom from fear is possible because they belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to their faithful, all-powerful, resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. It's no small thing. In fact, it's a very big thing 
to know yourself as belonging to the most high power in all of creation, that you belong to the king. When he says, do not be afraid, it enables you to rest and to move forward with courage. Easter means freedom from fear for all who belong to Christ. Now, does this mean that we're never going to experience fear again? No, that's not true at all. What it means is that we are giving this deep assurance that our lives are safe and secure on his foundation and that nothing, nothing in heaven and on earth, nothing in all creation can separate us from that strong foundation. And we return to that day after day after day. The risen Christ dwells in me. I am a member of his unshakable kingdom. We move forward from that place of strength. We hear his call. Do not be afraid. Trust me. Serve me. Seek first my kingdom. The first words to the first people who meet Jesus are relational. Hi, hello, good to see you. I love this relationship, he's saying. The first command from Christ to his people, do not be afraid. Jesus says this for multiple reasons, but one of the reasons he says it is because we, in the here and now, we have a call, we have work to do, the work of ministry in the name of Jesus, the work of bringing the word about the resurrection to the world is ours. The Marys have to carry this word to the apostles. The apostles have to carry this message of hope to the world. This is a big job, and it's scary business at times to bear witness to life, to Jesus in a culture and time that doesn't want to hear about it. For Frederick Dale Bruner says this about fear. He says, fear blocks good news. Fear jams gospel. And so it's fear that needs to be snowplowed away so that the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection can move forward. I don't know what, you're, what fears you're carrying this Easter Sunday, what panicky mixtures of sorrow and worry are found in your own heart. But I do know the one who delights in you, who died for you, and who rose for you. I can say to you till I'm blue in the face, do not be afraid. But it's not my word that has power. It's his. And his word to you this morning, the one who conquered the grave, the one who died for you and rose for you, the one who ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God for you and one day will return for you and complete his kingdom. He says, do not be afraid. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, in this quiet moment we share, even though we're apart, I pray that you re-ground us in the truth of the gospel, 
that our lives, whatever comes to us in life, ultimately are safe and secure on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We pray that you would nurture this hope in us as we lean forward to your kingdom coming and as we seek first your kingdom and proclaim your gospel in the here and now. And Lord, where there is fear, I pray, Jesus, that you would speak to those who are fearful to clear away the fear so that they might be enabled today to make that phone call or talk to that neighbor or start that initiative that they know that you are calling them to do for your glory. Thank you for this hope, Lord, that we share. I pray that you continue to minister your reassuring grace. Um, even through this next song, touch us, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.